Hello, my friends. How are you guys doing? My name is Beto Gudiño on the Christian Podcast. And today I'm at the bunker again, and I have an amazing episode with a person I'm about to introduce to you. So are you guys ready? Are you surviving? Do you want to become legends? Well, here we go, my friends. Tete Fernandez, are you there? I'm here. Did I say it right? Is it Tete or Tete? Tete. tete. Okay, so people get it right. The name is <laughs> Tete. That's <laughs> a difficult name. It's an ethnic, ethnic name, so it's okay if you don't get it right, but it's Tete. Tete Fernandez. How are <laughs> you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. What about you? I'm doing great. I'm, you know, I'm here in Southern California in the bunker. And today's a beautiful day, sunny day. Where are you located? Right now, I'm talking to you from Texas, the DFW area of Texas. And today okay. is sunny as well, not as hot as past days, but it's, it's sunny, it's beautiful, really good weather, at least on this side of the country. Awesome. Well, I'm so thankful and so excited that you, um, you said yes to come on this podcast. We want to hear from you. We want to get to know a little bit about what you do with Wild for the Nations. But if I would ask you, you know, the first question, who are you, Tete? What would you tell us? I think I would say a simple daughter. I'm just a daughter. I discovered that I am. I could put before and after my name a lot of things mm. that could refer to my history or my family or my occupation. But... Um, I think I found the biggest joy just in discover that I am a daughter of God. And from that, everything else falls down. I know, however, that you're asking a little bit more of background from me. So I am Mexican, born and raised in southern Mexico. Whereabouts? Veracruz. Nice. The beautiful Veracruz. This is in the coast of Mexico for those who are listening and not familiar with Mexican geography. It's in the center of the Gulf, and that means that my life and my upbringing was surrounded of music, delicious food, and ocean. Nice. Um, Wapangos. <laughs> Wapangos, yes, that's traditional <laughs> music from, from, from my area, which is uh, really typical from my region. And it's, uh, if, you don't, if you have never heard, the word Wapango is with H at the beginning, and you should Google it. Because mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing that is not that famous. So thank you for bringing that <laughs> to the <Yeah>. picture. <laughs> That's a cool tete. I am from, from Guadalajara, Jalisco, which okay, is the other side. Um, yeah, on the other side of Mexico. Yeah. And when I lived in Mexico, because now, now I've been living in California for 15 years. But when I was in Mexico, I traveled almost all over northern Mexico and central Mexico. But I never... Not even here in the U.S. I never been to the East Coast, so oh, I never yeah. been to the Gulf. I never been to the Atlantic. You're missing, and I'm missing it. And I always wanted to go to Veracruz. Yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, that's that would be amazing to visit one day. So still on my bucket list. Yeah, keep it do. there. It's a priority. It's um, it's interesting how Mexico is so big mm -hmm. that different states and regions is it, it feels like completely different nations. Not only for their food and their culture and their music, but just a way of, of thinking and the way of uh, navigating life. And mm -hmm. that reshaped for sure a lot of my upbringing. I'm yeah. part of a gigantic family. 
my grandma had 12 kids. Nice. So that Good means Mexican that our family. family gathering was uh, close to 80 people, and that's just family. Wow. And that's a little bit of uh, my upbringing in Mexico. Wow. My wife would be so envious of you. <laughs> that's the family I want. But we have three kids, and she always picture herself like having maybe 12 or something oh, like wow. that. <laughs> wow. But the body can only do so much, right? <laughs> It's, um, it's the, yeah, all, the, the, the thing happy. that I say with uh, big families is you don't need to watch movies, neither TV series, because every possible drama happens when you have a, a, a long <laughs> family, a large family. Every possible drama is just next door. So that's, that's, the, that's the con and the pro is that parties are amazing with family. I love it. Well, I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so happy we're talking about family. Tell me about... Uh, you know, how did you end up in Texas? What was it? What was it in your upbringing that first you became? You acknowledge I am a daughter of God, mm -hmm. and then I know you're working with you know Wild for the Nation. So tell me mm -hmm. a bit about how how was that transition from living in Mexico to having Wild for the Nations? Or maybe I don't know if the first question should be what is Wild for the Nations, or if you want to transition into how do we get there first. Um, I think if we transition, it would be a little bit more of a full picture to, to your listeners. Perfect. Um, I uh, was brought up in this gigantic, beautiful family, loving family. However, like a bunch of um, listeners, I was in a, uh, an environment that didn't acknowledge God. Um, we, we, we were acquainted with the idea. Um, we were respectful of the idea, but that was the extent of it. Probably once a year we would go to church like everybody else, but that was it. When I became 17, uh, I was dealing with a um, uh, health issue, a severe health issue. They had discovered cancer in me years ago, and I was under treatment. And at wow. uh, 17, um, um, a nurse slash neighbor invited me to her church. I have never been into any church that was in a Catholic church. Um, it was a completely rare experience. Uh, I had a lot of baggage when it came to Protestantism just because it wasn't something common. It was weird. It was unknown. And then I ended up in this church and that day the Lord healed me. I didn't figure out that day. I figured out in my next appointment with the doctor, which was three days after. And they basically told me what we couldn't do in five years of treatment happened this weekend. My previous appointment has been uh, Thursday, and then on Wednesday, I had my next appointment. My, my condition was so advanced that I, I was seeing the doctor every week. So wow. at 17 years old, uh, I met Jesus. Not because a sermon, not because a book, not because a radio, not because a song. I just met him. I met his goodness. I met who he was. And that literally um, made me fall in love with him. Uh, I, I, I devoured my Bible in the following weeks. I scared the heck out of my family because <laughs> the chef was, was literally uh, water and, and, and oil from one day to another. My mom wow. would wake up in the middle of the night and I was praying three, four in the morning. Uh, without knowing what prayer even was, because again, I'm just reading this book that looks like an ancient recipe book because there's recipes of oint and an, uh, ointment and anointment. But yeah. at the same time, I'm encountering this person that it seems so relatable with my own experience, which is a good God. So I met Jesus in Veracruz, and then for 
I want to say 12 years, I pursue him on a local church. I got involved in everything that it was possible to get involved from um, serving in worship and giving classes and uh, being part of administrative boards and uh, you name it, selling food, uh, cleaning restrooms, helping with the youth group, anything that was possible was there. However, one of the, um, the areas that I got involved that uh, branded my heart, it was this ministry that at that time was a completely new thing in Mexico. I'm talking circa 1998, 1997. So this is the past century. Mm -hmm. and, um, the 1900s. An, yeah, yeah, the 1900s. Uh, and this was this ministry that it was outreach for kids. And we literally will go, um, it was actually based on Guadalajara. It mm. was uh, Castillo del Rey. Wow. And we will go to the streets and we will do whatever it would take to share the gospel to kids. And um, that ministry was like a big door of awareness to the, to the fact that there were people that is exactly like me at 17 had no idea who was Jesus and they needed it. And for a few years, I served there doing from dressing like a clown. And it might be pictures somewhere about those things <laughs> uh, to, to doing songs and to doing uh, puppets, whatever it would take to take the gospel. Um, I think that season uh, brought to my heart this deep burden for, for the work outside of the church. Working within the walls of the church was was something that excited me. Mm -hmm. And I quickly realized that it was what most people would like to get involved, mm -hmm. especially what happened at the front of the church, behind of the pulpit. And I would do it, and I would happily do it, and, and, and I enjoy it. But I quickly realized that going outside of the church, it was what actually get me. It turned on a fire on my heart that other things wouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, Really quickly, uh, that fire got candled by other factors. Uh, we got invited, uh, my group of friends got invited by the school to go and basically preach to, to the junior high level students. We just weren't allowed to give a scripture because in Mexico, you know, the law doesn't allow you to preach within the walls of the, the school. Mm -hmm. But they were in such a crisis mode that we would have. So all this exp being exposed to the need in the streets, the, the, the practical need of the streets, just open up this fire. And at the same time, God started, started to build this network of friends around me that they had the same passion. And they either were prepping to go to what we call the mission field, mm -hmm. or they were prepping to some sort of work outside of the walls. Mm. And um, I finished school, I worked for seven years for a ministry. I did a lot of what uh, today I call the training season, mm. that it was a lot of boring stuff, yeah. a lot of routine, a lot of wow. small responsibilities that seemed insignificant at the time. Um, my first job in the ministry that I was working with was capturing sermons. <laughs> but I'm not kidding, were brought to me in napkins, just crumbled na napkins, and I will open a napkin and there will be three points and I had to figure out which one the point. Um, and, and for, I don't know, three years, four years, that was my own job. And then I remember how menial and how not important looked that and how much I wanted to be part of the important thing 
or the yeah. big thing at that point and how frustrated I was. However, I had this deep knowing that I was in the right place. Wow. So um, uh, during the time of working in the ministry and during the time of preparation, the Lord started putting this burden on my heart for those friends who I have who were already either on the mission field or prepping. Mm-hmm. And I realized how much their story and their journey was completely unknown for the local church. Mm. Um, I realized that my friends who were serving at that point, they were serving in the hills of Orizaba, which is a a, a region in my state, which is populated by indigenous people that most of them don't even speak Spanish. Yeah. They were serving in that region, and I would visit them for a day or two to help whatever work they were doing. And then I would return to my local church and my local church would be so engaged with the next conference we had on door, which was the women conference and youth conference or whatever it was. And the funny thing to me at that point was we would pray for things to happen within uh-huh. this conference, like God bring revival and save people and all these wow. things. But then I would go to those places and it was already happening and we were expending mm. money, resources, time on getting the conference going and the next event going instead of going out. Yeah. So this conflict started arising in my heart. And I'm going to be honest, for a few, for a season, for a few months, if not a year, uh, that conflict brought out a lot of judgment and a lot of um, resentment, why we're not doing more. Mm-hmm. And why the church is spending too much in a carpet and not supporting this or that. Uh-huh. And then um, I remember a particular day. Um, at that point, I'm probably, this is 16 years ago. Um, the Holy Spirit told me, um, what are you going to do? And it became not anymore the problem of the pastor or of the church or of the denomination yeah. that I was at which was a gigantic denomination, but it became my thing. And I was studying communication. Um, I knew that I was passionate about using the tools. And this is, uh, again, 20 years ago is so little and at the same time, and I think we're in the same uh, field of age, so you will back me up. It's not that long ago, but it feels ages ago when it comes to the gospel. I remember when I was entering the career, my leaders at that point were suspicious about me because why are you going to study communication? Like that's not, you can use that for the kingdom. You're going to get lost. That's a really area that it's not, you know, spiritual. You're going to be embraced by the secular. And, And I knew that somehow God used it, but I didn't know how God will use it. Um, and even when this, they did approve it, I dared to study that. Now, it's, there are schools that they train kids, uh, you know, for ministry and media and, 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 and cinematography and all that. But 20 years ago, it was like getting into Sodom and Gomorrah to, to, to study. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do there? We didn't know we were going to have social media 20 years no. later. Well, we had the beginning. The beginning. But even internet, even internet, it was like a, like a really foreign thing to happen. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that everybody had, an, or, or forget internet, just a smartphone. 20 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, we only had cellulars and, and cell phones, and they were 
only for certain people. You, know, you had like this brick. They were thing. massive. <laughs> yeah, you had a brick size that it was both a, a cell phone and a weapon because if you throw it to someone, you yeah, could you kill can... him. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, the lawyers start brewing all these things, and I realized quickly that to a video, um, I could bring a reality that otherwise the church couldn't have been exposed. Mm. However, again, uh, I, I was studying. I was um, growing in the gospel without support of my family. I was the only family member that 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 became a believer, and that meant that had no. Um, support of any kind um, to pursue this. And I was just serving on a ministry doing boring things. And most of the time, uh, having conflicts of opinions, different opinions on my leadership, because again, they were focused on the next event within the walls of the church while my, my fire was outside. Mm-hmm. Um, from that point to, to Wild for the Nations, it was a really interesting journey of, the next step of obedience. Uh, at that point, I had not even a clue of how God will do it. I, I, I'm going to say it better. I had not even a clue that what would God do? Not even phantom. This is not like I woke up one day and say, what is the name of our organization that uh, we're going to do this or we're going to do that? I had no idea. The only thing that I had clear, it was one, I have a fire for, for those who are outside of the wall of the church, too. I know things about those who are in the front lines of sharing yeah. that gospel, that the majority of the church is not participating, not because they're mean, it's just they don't know. Yeah, and three, they don't see it. I know I could take my bags and do something tomorrow. Like, I know I could do it. But I know at this point, God is not saying go. And I don't want to dare to do that without mm. His goal first. Mm-hmm. So um, I just had a secular job. I served in the media department for years doing, doing announcements and boring graphics and lower thirds and um, <laughs> things that didn't excite me a lot. But um, I, at the same time, I would see documentaries and I would buy, invest the little bit of extra money I would have in, in magazines that would talk about other cultures. And then in 2005, which is 15 years ago, well, um, social media started becoming a thing. Mm -hmm. With MySpace. I think it was after MySpace, because I don't remember having a MySpace. Ah. But Twitter started becoming a thing. Um, It was a really, no, no one knew exactly how it worked, at least on my circle, but everybody that I knew that had some sort of technical knowledge was there. Mm-hmm. And I started getting acquainted with them. And really quickly, I realized that I could do in those platform things that before that, I was praying to have the money to pay for doing it. So before that, I was dreaming to have, a, for example, a radio show. Yeah. And we were funding to pay to a local radio station. Thousands. Have, yeah, thousands of, of, of pesos in that case or dollars. Yeah. To have 30 minutes a slot that they will mm-hmm. decide if they approve the content and then quickly i realized in this platform we could do whatever we want for free yeah. so at that point i was living in monterey the north of mexico and with this um i had a group of friends who were uh, believers all and, and again passionate about jesus and passionate about sharing we would go to hospitals and 
do stuff for kids with cancer. We would, we would have some sort of outreach efforts just as a friends. But then we went together one night and we said, well, we, what if we use this to, to mobilize the church to pray? We were really um, convinced that the first thing that God will do is mobilize the church to pray. Uh, we study a lot of revivals and long history and everything started in the same way. The church start praying. Wow. So we opened up um, uh, a Twitter and a Facebook account to mobilize the church to pray. And at that point, we have someone in our team who was a fantastic um, communicator and copywriter, and she will help us to just develop content. And basically, we, for years, we put content about countries and fun facts about countries and then news about what the church was doing in those countries. And, mm. and we will tell the people pray. And really quickly, we I honestly thought 30 people are going to be interested, and that's it, if we're a good luck. This is before the millions of users that Facebook have. Your mm -hmm. grandma would never have been on Facebook at that point, or your mom. Yeah, this exactly. Is a, it was a really short thing. Um, but quickly we realized that there was a thirst, and we had answers, and, 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 and we had to form a team because we had such a work on it, and we all had full-time jobs. No one was like working for this. And, and this mobilizing effort, I'm praying that and hoping that did something for people outside. But for me particularly, it steered this awareness of how little we were doing outside and then having the numbers of how much money, for example, goes actually to mission and how much we miss known missions and how much, how many missionaries quit the mission field every year. And all that information just messed me. Mm -hmm. Um I went around those dates to um, um, a conference to Dallas, Texas. It was a Hispanic conference in Dallas, Texas. I've been in California before that, but never in Texas. So I ended, we were planning to go to that conference as a team. We ended up going by ourselves. I ended up going by myself for a set of circumstances that it only can define as a God um, handling an appointment. And um, I ended up in this gigantic church that at the moment I thought it was the church of the of the ministry that was organizing the conference mm -hmm. and um, during the conference the Lord spoke to me and, 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 and told me I'm transitioning you and I'm uprooting you and I knew it was God because I did not speak English at that point and I had no idea what uprooting you meant wow I had to I had to google the the, the word and um I, I got connected with several people in that in that in, in that um, conference, and then I got uh, I got acquainted with the fact that the church that had the conference it wasn't the same that the ministry. And one of the people that I met it was the head um, leader of the media department. And this person, without me knowing who he was or where I was or anything. And then we talked a little bit and, and he asked for why it was in my heart. It's, it, it seemed almost uncomfortable. Wow. I have seen enough CSI to, to, in, in criminal minds to be scared. <laughs> like, why do you want so much information about me? But he seemed really genuinely curious what was on my heart. And I shared a little bit that I wanted to do video, that when I graduate, um, uh, edition was analog. Wow. So literally I would use clippers. With the 
the mm-hmm. things, the mm-hmm. spinners. Mm-hmm. You, you, you touch the film and then you clip around and you edit wow. like that. So I, I, I had this burden, but I was so outdated in my knowledge that I didn't know even where to begin. And that was it. I returned home, really encouraged for the conference. And then within weeks, I received an invitation to be a part of a training uh, that the church was giving to their staff. Wow. But they were um, willing to, to take me in and they were willing to allow me to be there. And then within weeks, I had to respond. And within weeks, I had to figure out if I, if I would take it. How were you living in Monterey still? I'm in Monterey living at that point. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they want uh-huh. you to come to this thing yeah. in Texas? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. And then I returned home. And then from there was a waterfall of God divine appointments that are exciting and sound exciting. However, I, I do want infra- infra- to um, make uh, make an uh, make note the, here that that excitement series of events. I don't think that would have been even possible if for another thirteen years of boring realities before. Yeah, I think we're so engaged into the next exciting thing that we sometimes miss the training season. Yeah, and I hated it to be honest. Yeah. If you tell me go back, oh, I would suffer. Yeah. But that buried a lot of what it was possible. Wow. Um, a lot of the things that God did on my heart were we were while I was doing non-exciting things. <clears throat> a lot I of the things that he worked there. So he opened the door there. I took a training that ended up being almost a two-year training. And then it became a reality that uh, doing what I dreamed to do. It wasn't my dream. It was God's dream. Yeah. Um, I was invited. I did a first effort with $40. And those who are techno- technically um, have a little bit of technical knowledge, I took $40, a Canon T3i Rebel, which is like a $300 camera that records video, and a Zoom N1, which is an audio recorder, like $50 value or probably 10 today. I don't even know. Yeah. And I went <laughs> to the hills of Mexico with a um, ministry that works with indigenous communities that are not rich. And for two weeks, I followed them and documented their work. And I slept on the, I don't know their beds. I don't even know how you call that in English. Los Catres, which is like made up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sleeping bunkers. Without without mattresses, yeah, it's like a mat. The, yeah, I ate their food. I saw the passion that they have for these people that they don't even speak Spanish. I saw how they abandoned their comfort zone. Th- these are people who have houses in in big cities and careers, and their college graduates, even with master's degrees, and they decide to go to the hills of a country without water, electricity. Um, families, members, and living in situations that that we do our best to get away from. And, yeah. and their passion for Jesus and their passion for these beautiful people to know the gospel was such that they thought that nothing of that was important as long as they would get to know the gospel. So I went there, I recorded, and then my heart was completely uh, split. I honestly thought it would become like my thing. Like this, I would see myself doing that, 
Uh-huh. But that was the extent of it. Returning from that trip, I kept just doing live. And then I got an invitation to go to Israel to support a ministry with um, video production. And at the beginning was a six-month uh, commitment. I said, no, I have never been in, 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 in the Middle East. I honestly had no interest to go to Israel. No, no, no animosity. I just didn't had any interest. And then I didn't have the money because serving six months means fundraising six for six months of food and staying wow. and all that. Yeah. Um, and I said no in the meeting that I was invited to go. So this was yeah. from from the people in Texas inviting this you to go there. This is in Texas. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, they did. A ministry in Texas had the connection with these people in Israel, which oh, are okay. a different ministry. But yeah, the connection yeah. came in Texas. And then I said, no, thank you. This is not part of my plans. I'm returning to Mexico and I'm going to, you know, serve in the local church. Like I was more than ready. Like my country needs me. Um, wow. and, and then uh, I was in the parking lot and the Lord said um, the same word that he told me the first time that I arrived to Texas. I'm uprooting you. Wow. And I'm taking you. And then uh, again, a did you know what that meant by then? Excuse me? Did you know what the word meant the second yeah. time? Yes, at that point I knew <laughs> and I was scared too, the heck. Because I, 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 at that point, I was probably the only Mexican. Not, uh, it's not true, but I had no American dream. Yeah. Okay. I had no American dream. Uh, if, if you see the map, Veracruz is so far from the border there mm-hmm. that we have no influence from, from culturally. So most people who, who leave, uh, Mexican people who decide to move, they're from the north of the country and they have this interaction culturally with America, but I have not. And family is such a big deal for us and, and being together and all that. So mm. uh, it, it literally was a sacrifice. So when the Lord said that again, I'm going to uproot you, it was like, oh God, I knew, I know where that goes and how that sounds. And it was in Israel where the Lord burst out Wild for the Nations as an organization. I was serving there, um, living this off-the-body experience because someday I would be recording in um, Jaffa, which is the place where um, Jonah fled instead of going to Nineveh. Oh, yeah. And I'm recording in the coast of this port that in the Bible is the, the, the scenery of so many miracles of Peter and the resurrection of Dorca and, and all these amazing stories, but I'm there. And then within 24 hours, I'm in Jerusalem in the stairs that Jesus walked to, from the house of the high priest to, to the cross. And all it's just this overload of a spiritual, amazing experience, a spiritual experience at the same time that I'm doing something amazing with the camera yeah. for a local ministry. And while there, the Lord told me, um, I brought you here because you love the nations. And at that point, I was praying regularly for places that I didn't even know where they were in the map. I would hear news about Eritrea. And I would pray for that without even knowing where Eritrea was. I don't know where it is. It's Africa. (laughs) And it's a highly persecuted nation. Wow. um, Where being a believer, it's. It costs you your life. And, and, but I had no idea about all that. Or sometimes mm. the Lord would wake me up with, with, with the name of a nation, like a suggestion. 
and I thought it was a joke or, 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 or a food dish or something like that. And then I Google it and it turns out that it's a nation and I was praying. Wow. So um, the Lord told me you love the nations, but, but I, I brought you to Israel so you understand my love for Israel first. Because under, until you fully understand my love for Israel, you will understand my love for the nations. And, and there the Lord told me, I want you to go and, and fund an organization, uh, both in Mexico and in the States. And at that point, I literally laughed. So anytime that I'm reading the Bible, when someone laughs at God, I'm not judging anymore. Zacharias. Yeah, Zacharias or even Sarah, when she laughed, I oh, get yeah. it. Like, I totally get it. I know what is, it, I knew what was to see myself in this little apartment that I was living in the south of Israel. Uh-huh. Not knowing what it was for my own life in the next six months after I finished that project in Israel, because I left everything behind me to go to obey God. Mm-hmm. And then think about an organization and doing something else. It was off the charts, ridiculous to my eyes. But at the same time, I knew that I had to do it. And then I returned it. This is in 2017. And um, within three months, uh, when God has something better, um, when, an ass- when the time of the assignment arrived, I'm more than sure and I'm more than convinced that j- j- we're, our only challenge is to do what Ephesians says, which is walk over the works that he prepared for us to walk. So my only concern at that point is, what are you saying that I'm supposed to do? Um, I think before that I had this um, unjust burden of having to invent myself the work, have to create the work for me. What is the next project that I have to create for me to walk over? And, And if something this season of my life, by that I mean the last eight, 10 years, have made clear that my only job is listen and obey. My only job is to make sure that I'm hearing God and I'm walking over those works. And again, a bunch of them are really exciting. Like grab your bags because we're going places and others are stay there even when you don't want to or you don't think it makes sense. Um, So I return it. And in the same week that I return it, I, by coincidence, I met a lawyer who is a believer, and I tell her about this crazy thing that God told me, and she told me, oh, I do that, and I'll do that. And she um, volunteered to help me to do the whole project of registering an organization and, and doing a nonprofit and all that. And she was really clear it's going to take a year, if not more. I knew people on the States who have worked for years to get together a nonprofit, and within a month, all the paperwork went through and we had an organization and all the documents in our hand that said wow. that we were a nonprofit. And from 2018 to the day, what God has been is just rallying people uh, uh, around the globe and help us to build um, an organization that walks with the heartbeat of God for the nations. And by that, what I mean is we partner with frontline messengers and with organizations around the globe who are committed to extend the kingdom. And we make sure that their stories and their journey, it's known by the church. So the church knows how we can partner with them. I'm convinced to my core that no one who goes to a mission trip returns the same. No one. I I haven't met a believer that went to a mission trip 
and came back the same. They, it's something that happens in, in, in our hearts when we are exposed to what God is doing outside of our bubble. But the truth is that most of us won't have the joy to go to Uganda or to Kenya or to Guatemala or to Oaxaca, Mexico. We are busy doing life, raising kids, paying mortgages and, you know, doing life, which is perfect. God calls us to do that too. But I discovered that through a video production, you can bring the mission field to living rooms, to churches, uh, to bedrooms, to prayer rooms. And with that, allow the church to participate in different levels. So that's how Well for the Nations was born. It was a long journey. Yeah. It wasn't was my idea. Most of the time, I'm not pretty sure what we're doing. Uh, <laughs> but I'm convinced that we're hearing and obeying. And that's my only worry every time that we wake up. <laughs> wow. What an incredible story. I mean, I don't think we could get the depth of how cool what's going on right now is if you didn't tell us like all that story of how you got there. You know, if you just say, ah, yeah, we're filming people in other countries so that the church can know. Like, oh, okay, that's fun. But as you tell the story, it's so profound. I can relate to so many things. Uh, and I mean, maybe some of the, the first ones, you know, I, I love how you said that at some point when you were a part of this church who has an outreach right in the mountains, but they really focus on like, hey, we're praying for this conference and Lord bring revival and we want <laughs> you, we want you to move and the movement is happening, <laughs> right? Yeah. But nobody knows because they can't see it. Yeah. Uh, but I love how you became in a sense critical of the system and and i don't think well it didn't seem to me like when you were saying it that you did it in a in a negative way you know because oh, it was it was the well, beginning it was the beginning uh, wasn't like giving at all it was just this bitterness and yeah. it's really easy to, to to discern if it's god burdening you or is your flesh feeding That's and true. It's just what is the fruit when you're in I, the moment it's harder to discern Yes, but I think as time progresses and you see and you you tie the dots together. Yeah, I, it's like, I was bitter. Oh. That's the word, and I was hurt, and 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 I uh, think it was okay. Um, yeah, and God used, but it could have been sour, uh -huh. really easy, and I have to give the credit at that point. People that God put in my life as mentors who helped me to process the hurt mm -hmm. and to channel it to God's to to Jesus' feet and not to my. Oh, I know more than them, or. I, I, I'm I'm better than them, or they are this, or they are that, and sure. that's a challenge when when you are passionate. Yeah, passionate. I think it, I think it's a challenge for for all of us, and even you know people listening, because I listen to so many podcasts, and I I've noticed that a few of them, you know, I listen to a lot of like Christian podcasts, and some of the people that I've listened to. Uh, especially here in America, that said, you know, I come from a Christian background. And they say, I was hurt by the church. I'm done with the church. I don't want to have anything to do because they actually made mm -hmm. me worse than, than, than for my spiritual being, right? Mm -hmm. The church is supposed to like make me flourish spiritually and like holistically and like all these things, right? And they were hurt, but they end up being so critical that they end up on the whole other spectrum where really their goal is to just criticize and say 
the church is bad, the church is wrong, I hate the church, the mm-hmm. church has no hope, the church is no good, no, pretty much. And, and I think that's okay. And I think we all will go through our journeys, but I love that you came out on the other side of the spectrum, still trusting God. And like you said, you know, um, my goal is to obey, almost like obey God day by day, mm-hmm. you know, and that's... And, and just to, to pinpointing what you just mentioned, is valid, the pain. Mm-hmm. Like the pain of those people is valid and the pain mm-hmm. that I had, the disappointment. I don't think it was not as much as pain as disappointment. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. a new believer. I was reading my Bible and trusting what my Bible said. And then when I com- when I compare what I was being taught by what we were living within the church, it disappointed me because it didn't seem correlated. Even when verbally they would say that that was our goal, it didn't mm-hmm. seem to. So it was a disappointment and it was valid. And again, all the credit to God, of course, but to, to, to people. It's so key to have people around you or has been so key for me to have people around me that I allow to speak into my heart and to bring wisdom, even when it's uncomfortable. And at that point, those voices, God used them to say, I, I see it. Mm-hmm. I, I validate the, the frustration, the, the bitterness, the pain, the, the, the disappointment. But that's not God. That's just how we process God. And that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that God cannot use you. And, and again, uh, uh, this is not a... Um, this is not a battle won. I do uh, not want to give that impression because it's not. If wow. something today more than ever, just now, just now, Beto, um, it's such a challenge right now because we're in such a globally unknown reality mm-hmm. and crisis and circumstances. And sometimes, I'm going to be transparent with you and your audience, it's really frustrating here uh, a strong believer uh, ran for 50 minutes because they couldn't go to their preferred shopping center to do whatever they want without a mask. And talk about it as the worst of the calamities on earth. And in the same harvest, um, had the joy to take a phone call from someone in South Asia and tell me how they don't have water mm. in their entire community. And, and they are literally scratching and selling a church equipment to be able to provide food, not only for their Christians um, members, but for the, uh, which are minority, mm-hmm. but to the, the other people living around them, which are in, below the poverty line. Um, wow. and, and when you hear that, they are so excited that God is using them. And that they have the honor to sell the projector, which is like a 20-year-old projector. Don't believe that is a high-tech yeah. thing. But they are so excited. And they see this crisis as such, such a harvesting time. So even today, the, the tendency or the temptation, I'm going to say it, of being critical of the church and hurt by it. Uh, because we're not tuning with the need of the mission field. It's today... And even today, having those voices saying, I validate your frustration, I see your pain, God can do something in the midst of all this, and, 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 and we can put this frustration in God's feet so He can do something, it, it's there. Yeah, well, I love, I love the heart behind what you're doing, and I, I studied communications too, so in a sense, I understand almost like your journey, because I feel like my journey was very similar when you talked about, you know, how back in the days... 
you know, having a radio show. So having something like this, having the Christian podcast 25 years ago would have been impossible, right? I had to be a millionaire or know somebody who's rich so that they could fund it. And now all I need is pretty much a microphone and and maybe a little bit of equipment and a computer. And you're done. (laughs) And I'm done and it's free and it it reaches the world. People can tune in, whatever. And I think I went to a very similar journey in the sense that God, my talents are, you gave me talents that I think are supposed to be used for something bigger than what I'm doing, you know? So I think a lot of people can relate to that, you know, the, I I would call it almost like the mundane, even the mediocre, like the day-to-day life where it seems like, is, is this the routine? Is this important? You know, clicking on the same button every day, you know, putting the lower thirds, putting the, uh, making the captions or whatever it is, right? Until, like I was saying before, you know, there comes a time where you start connecting the dots. Mm-hmm. And without having that experience, you couldn't complete the picture. You would I forget, be... about, I forget about the technical part because someone who is listening could be a cook or a you know, housewife. Yeah, and, like, what, and it what might are be you cooking. Or, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be good technology. It could mm-hmm. be cooking or serving or cleaning or whatever. But the things that God does in your heart, the things that God reveals from our heart, I remember how much God revealed of my heart the need of validation or recognition and all those things mm. that if you don't get solved those things early on the day, uh, could be so damaging for what God has af- after you. Because at some point, God is going to put people behind you mm-hmm. that are going to see you as a model. And if you still ha- are, are, are behaving like a toddler and you're 39, mm-hmm. then we have a problem. Houston, and we need to address it. <laughs> yeah, especially coming from Texas. Houston, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. That's so true. Uh, you know, it's, well, it really is, it's a part of maturing in our in our faith. And I also love how faith is a day-to-day thing. You know, I think it grows, but it's also a day-to-day thing. So you might have, it's almost like every day we, we need faith to step into what God is calling us into. Uh, And we grow from previous experiences and from previous steps of faith. But every day is almost like a brand new opportunity Mm -hmm. to step into something new. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think you're you're almost like in the, in the midst of that, you know, oh, we're stepping into new things and a little bit of unknown, especially right now with, with COVID and pandemic and things around the world. But Tell me a little bit about this, um, just like the specifics of, of almost like documenting the things that are going on around the world. Like, where have you traveled? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you mentioned you went to Israel and that you didn't kind of want to go there, but then God uprooted you and <laughs> sent you there. And now you're seeing like the places where Jonah and like these stories almost like, in a sense, like they came alive for you because you're right oh, there. You're but walking what other- over the Bible. Yeah, it's like walking on the Bible. What other places have you uh, been to that you're documenting what's going on that impacted you? So the goal of, of, of the organization that I have the honor to lead is to bridge the gap between the church and the mission field. And that means that we're trying to build bridges, build connections. So every believer, it doesn't matter if it's a teenager, if it's six, if it's 92, if it's a businesswoman or if it's a teacher, 
they can have a window to see what God is doing in the nations. And um, at the beginning, it was localized to nations. So we have the honor to be in Central America. We have been in Guatemala. And then the Lord took us to several countries in Europe. Um, I, I can mention a few, but honestly, more than, than pinpoint places in a map, uh, we're making efforts to paint a picture of what God is doing in the church with um, capital C around the globe and that the church around the globe looks like for example in places like india that we have the the joy to be there documenting what god is doing in 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 the north of india and the center of india the south of india is really evangelical the um thomas the apostle went there and preached um so a lot of his work is still alive in the south of india but the north and the center uh persecution is a day by day thing and church there looks like um, little home churches where in a lo- room that is, I want to say, seven by seven feet, you fit 11, 13 people. And they have tambourines and they have something really similar to bongos. And they sing for two, three hours nonstop in the heat of um, the summer of India. And then they hear like a 45, 50 minutes preach. Um, and then you're ready to go because I come from, from a background where two hours is too much church. So <laughs> three hours for church is extremely too much. But then it comes prayer time and maybe you start church then. Ah. Because, <laughs> because our brothers and sisters in India are warriors in prayer. And, and, and they intercede and they stand in the gap. So um, what we're trying to do every time that we step into a new region of the world is to paint a picture of how the Lord is doing something amazing there and mm-hmm. how we can be a part of it. So either India or Poland or Czech Republic or Germany or Italy or, uh, I don't know, uh, Kazakhstan or uh, Turkey or Israel or other nations in Middle East, what we're trying to do is uh, invite ourselves to burst our own bubble and, and, and have perspective. I feel like one of the things that the enemy enjoys to do is to make us believe that our problems are the end of the world. Wow. And the fact that I cannot have money today to buy in a Starbucks, and I'm just putting something there that may resonate with someone who's reading that today cannot I'm make sure. that stop. Um, it feels like a failure. It feels like the worst thing that it could happen to you. But when you put perspective and, and, and you bubble burst and, and you are intentional about it and, and you open your our prayer board, for example, is a really good place to, to burst bubbles, which is prayer requests from people on the field who ask us to pray for specific things. Mm-hmm. And you read that someone in a um, country in Asia was arrested for selling Bibles online um, seven years. Then the Starbucks thing, stop being important and then you gain perspective and you say thank you jesus because i have my bible and probably haven't opened it in i don't know two weeks in a row or three weeks in a row or whatever it is or i have it on my phone oh oh, we have it on the phone in 17 languages and 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 i can't even listen at it and i don't do it so yeah that's basically what we do so we have been in several nations a bunch of them um we don't even report it by the nature of um, the work that we do and the people that we partner with. Mm. Um, but I think most, more important than the stamps in our passport um, is that uh, I love, I love, I love, I love how um, 
the word of God and how God expressed himself. And um, Revelation said that um, people from every ethnos, um, it would be in heaven. And then Jesus, when he sent us to preach the gospel to the nations, the word that we translate translate in English and in Spanish as nations, naciones, or world, mundo, is ethnos as well. Mm. That ethnos is a Greek word that is wow. spoke about nations um, based on ethnicity. So yeah. the picture that, that Jesus wants you to see is that heaven is a place where a lot of ethnicities are present, all of them actually. And all those borders and all those stamps are meaningless because within our same country, we have ethnos, like in Mexico. Yeah. We have the Mixtecos and we have Mayans and we have Otomis and we had um, Wicholes. And in, in, in the States, we have ethnos because we have complete regions of descendants of Irish or descendants of Germans or descendants of uh, uh, um, African-Americans or descendants of um, Na Native Americans um, yeah. and the same in Europe. So all that to say, when God sees talks about nations, he's not thinking about countries with flags. That's a modern construct. Um, when God thinks about nations, he's thinking about ethnicities and hearts and, and, and his plan for them. I love it. That's so cool. I love the word ethnos. I yeah. didn't know that. Uh, and I love when you say that it gives us perspective because you were mentioning before how It almost seems uh, almost ridiculous, right? That some people are like, hey, I'm not going to wear... Like you were talking about mask wearing, right? But as I think about the work that you're doing, which portrays the work that God is doing among the nations mm -hmm. with video. So compare, compare that type of video, which is explaining to people, this is what God is doing, which is amazing, to, for example social media in America where people are fighting over mm -hmm. whether you're wearing a mask or not, you know? So how menial in a sense, the fact that here we worry about, Oh, I better record that on video because this, no, this person said this and that, and you want to make sure that no, all the world shames that person for, for whatever reason. Right. Mm -hmm. And here on the other side, you're using the same technology, you know, you're using video, you're using audio to present a story that has way more meaning that opens up our perspective mm -hmm. to say almost to, uh, not in a shameful way, because I don't think God ever brings us shame more than he brings us um, like this idea of repentance, right? This idea of like, what am I doing? Like wanting to turn things around. So I think in a sense, I love what you're doing because, um, well, one of the questions I have is who can see these videos? You see only churches that, you know, you're sent to and then bring a video back to one church mm -hmm. or can any watch the video Anyone watch the video online? Like, how? Who are? Who's the audience that ends up watching these several videos from around the nations? So, in practicality, what we do is we partner with people on the ground in different nations, and depending on their needs, we basically tailor a project for them. So, it, it is worth noting that we do way more than videos. Right now, for example, due pandemic, we develop, I think, 17 or more uh, digital platforms for them to keep a discipling. 
because most of them, if they go to Facebook and they post their Bible lessons, they they won't be alive the next 24 hours. So wow. we have to develop tools so they could keep communicating with um, their their communities without putting in risk their safety and having to use social media. So we do way, way more than videos. We do other audiovisual resources like digital platforms. Um, depending on the needs, uh, we have a few things that are open for every audience in our YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. You just Google wow, uh, go to YouTube and put wow for the nations. Um, and uh, we have several projects uh, showcased in our website. However, most of the key things that we do are um, uh, developed for underground workers. Mm-hmm. And that means that if we put it on any sort of uh, digital platform that could be broadcast, we put them on risk. So we develop these projects and we leave, it, we leave them on their hands. And they use them for closed gatherings where they fundraise where they um, um, uh, recruit volunteers or recruit intercessors. And we're exactly right now, 2020 has been the time, um, 2019, and we thought 2020 as a lot of people, we had different plans. Uh, But 2020 was the time that God will open our spectrum. And we're starting developing projects per region where we can use tools like, you know, uh, blurring faces and distorting voice to start explaining to the church this is the whole mm. picture without putting in risk our, our frontline messengers. Um, mm. We're working on several projects. One of them is India uh, that could explain a little bit more what we're doing. But the projects that we have developed so far, basically we put it on the hands of the organization or the workers that are on the ground and they use it for fundraiser purposes. One of mm-hmm. the things that we're trying to achieve is by the church participating with what God is doing in the nations. We want to make sure that no missionary is alone, that none of them quit the field because of lack of support. And by that, I mean intercessors, which are so key. Uh, friends, most of the missionaries don't have friends where they are because of the nature of the work that they're doing. And their friends live on the other side of the continent and they're sleeping mm-hmm. when they're in crisis. And yeah. then, of course, financial support so they can keep work doing. So, um, yeah, other thing that we have done and so far, we um, open a care department of our organization. And what we do with that is offer uh, for um, frontline messengers uh, counseling services at no cost to them. So all the projects that we do, all the videos that we do, uh, all the expenses that uh, we incur to do those videos are at no cost for the missionary. So no missionary has to pay for our expenses to go to wherever we have to go or for our equipment or for the post-production services. As a nonprofit, we make a huge effort to raise funds so we can just give them the final product. And in the case of the care department, we offer for um, these amazing people services of counseling because a lot of them are facing challenges as married couples, as every Every marriage fetches a challenge. Mm-hmm. The difference is that they, they are in a spiritual battleground at all times. And most of the time, they don't have the community that we have when we mm-hmm. face a crisis. When we face a crisis, we usually say, let's go to the house of whomever so they can pray for us. And whomever for them, it's probably 2,000 miles away. So we offer yeah. this for them for free. And, and, and what we are trying to do is cover them as much as we can as the body and invite the body to come along with us and cover them as well. 
-hmm. For the most part, do you do you already have the workers that you're working with, or or can the workers apply to say, hey, you know, I, I would love for you to help me? Is there still opportunity for that? Yeah, or? yeah. We constantly receive applications, and but the ninety nine percent of our experience has been literally God. Um, connecting us supernaturally with people. I'm telling you, I was really, I, I know we're about to, to, to finish, but uh, just so you, your audience have a quick perspective of how God, how God is not messing, how God doesn't um, uh, miss an opportunity and how when it comes to kingdom, he builds network. I was in a subway in Prague. I had to get out of Israel for a few weeks to renew my visa to keep being there. And uh, the cheapest thing, it was, Czech Republic, and it was just a few days, and I'm in the subway going from the downtown to the place that I was staying, and I, I start seeing this girl next to me, that um, it, uh, in Czech Republic I'm weird because no one has black hair, wow. so I I can tell her that she's looking at me weird, but at <laughs> that point I realize that I'm the weird person in the town, so it's okay, and then um, she asked me, "Are you a believer?" Which is a really weird question for someone to ask me in um, Prague. Prague is the city in the whole world who is more atheist. Wow. So even when he was the household of revival, and whomever likes history, go and Google John Huss, uh, right now is one of the most atheist places. So basically this girl started making conversation with me and turns out to be an ex-Muslim who now is a believer and shared with me her story and also me um, about this other lady who shared the gospel with her there, who basically is a worker there for the kingdom. And, um, and I asked her, can I, can I meet her? And, and we interchanged phone numbers. And that evening I was in the house of this lady meeting her. Um, and that's one of the main connections that we had through whole Europe. That, that, that lady who works in Czech Republic have connected us. Uh, with a bunch of people in all of Europe and a lot of uh, reach out to the Muslim community in, in, in Europe. So uh, uh, a lot of our connections are divine encounters and we're open to our ears at all times to make sure that we're not missing them. And others, we just receive requests through our website and, and, and the board of the ministry prays for, for, for guidance and as much as we can Every year we take a few and, and we tackle them and, and we walk them. Our goal not only is to make videos for them, but to walk with them on the long run and to make yeah. sure that we're partnering with them to extend the kingdom. Is there a number right now you can think of of how many workers are you are you helping right now with whether video 40. or media? More than 40. More than 40? Wow. More than 40 organizations or yeah, online yeah. messengers in different okay. nations. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Well, I want to commend you for just the amazing work that you're doing and with Wild for the Nations and all the people involved, the people praying, the people counseling, uh, the people inviting, you know, more, more people to be a part of this, even for almost like the undisclosed um, people that are behind the scenes that, you know, mm -hmm. almost like you can't even mention it because mm -hmm. you know, they could be in danger. Mm -hmm. It's so crazy, so crazy to think. And um, even before we came on the call, and I, I could probably end on, on something around this, um, I was telling you about this movie that I was mm -hmm. watching here in the U.S. It's uh, The movie's name is Infidel, and it has Jim Caviezel, 
uh, as one of the main characters. And Jim Caviezel, a lot of the people that you know, might be listening, Jim Caviezel played Jesus Christ in The Passion of the Christ, mm -hmm. you know, around year 2000 or so, a movie by Mel Gibson. And I mean, the story behind, you know, why Jim Caviezel participated in that movie is crazy enough for you know, what happened back then. But this movie that he just put out, in a sense, it, it opens up perspective to what's happening in the Middle East and, you know, in, in some of these nations. But I want to tell you, like, super quick, like, the, the plot, not, not the whole thing, but just super quick. This guy from, from the U.S. has a blog. And then on his blog, he writes about, you know, Christianity or God or Jesus. And then he gets invited to go to Cairo in Egypt. And then he's on, on national TV. And then he says this, Jesus is God mm -hmm. and gets kidnapped. You know, mm -hmm. and all this is based on like true story and whatnot. And I know exactly, I don't know exactly how the details match, mm -hmm. like the, the exact story that happened. But I know it's based on the true story. And so he gets kidnapped. And then eventually you can, you know, you watch the movie and you see, you see the outcome and what happens. But it's so revealing mm -hmm. uh, just to see a different perspective. And maybe you have, you know, you who have traveled and have been documenting around the world, maybe you have even a, a closer look into what people are experiencing in other parts of the world because... Even because of the fact that they can they can say something as simple as Jesus is God. I mean, those three words right there can mean Your a, a whole lot of different uh, difference, right? Whether you live or not, or or, or going mm -hmm. to prison and things like that. Um, so so crazy. I would invite people, you know, to go watch the movie. Maybe yeah. that's, it's almost like a safe, if you, I don't know if it's everywhere in the world, but if you're in the U.S., maybe that's like a safe uh, no place where you can go watch a movie and be a little bit informed of what happens around the world. Because I know Jim Caviezel is also uh, a little bit of uh, bringing awareness of persecution for Christians around the world. So I think this movie plays a little bit of, of part of that. Um, and then, I mean, you can have your own opinion about what the movie and whatnot, right? But uh, is there anything, any last thought you would like, you know, for people to say, for people to hear, you know, as we close this podcast, oh, Tete? For, first, Tete. thank you for the chance to, to meet your peeps and to meet your audience. Um, yeah, absolutely. And my last thought would be, it doesn't matter where you are in life. It doesn't matter what is your age. It doesn't matter how boring is the season that you're at, you can do something amazing for the nation. And you can partner with God. And something as um, little value and little value for us, and something that we don't even put as a valuable thing to do, like pray. We usually say stuff like, I can do anything for you, but I'll pray. Like, like that's nothing. But even if you commit with God to pray for what He's doing around the globe, I invite you to have a scary, hairy prayers. I invite you to pray for places that you have never even seen or, or known. I invite you to grab a map and tell God bless your church and grab a section of that map and just pray for that. I invite you to donate the one Starbucks value coffee a month 
to to any organization. For sure, we want you to support Wild for the Nations, and 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 I know Beto will um, make sure that you have all the links that are needed. But any organization that have a work um, that is working with our own rich groups, I invite you to support any organization of your preference that you trust. Um, I invite you to volunteer. It doesn't matter if you're doing lower thirds and graphics. Uh, volunteer. It doesn't matter if you're cleaning restrooms or cooking. Try to get engaged. Um, one of the things, and, 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 and I think this is a good closing up, is that we have overused the word persecution. Hmm. And we confuse it sometimes with discrimination. And we said stuff like, oh, they're persecuting me at my job because I'm a believer. Well, no, probably it's discrimination. We're being discriminated because if we were persecuted here, law protects us. But in places where law is that you die because you don't believe in certain things, and if you believe in Jesus Christ as a, God of, a God, son of God, you die, then there is persecution. So um, I invite you to be intentional about bub breaking the bubble. I invite you to challenge your kids. It doesn't matter that they're too, to pray for a nation that they can't even pronounce. I invite you to, if you are the, the kind of people that mean that shut down the news because it's overwhelming, that you don't shut down your heart to what God is doing there and do not underestimate the power of your prayer. I had the joy to stand in nations that I only knew in prayer. And when I went for the first time, they felt, they felt known. Wow. I felt like I've been there and the Holy Spirit have told me, you've been here. Like you have prayed for this nation 14 years. So you've been here. I, I, I've shown you things about this. So don't underestimate. Don't underestimate the little work that you're doing in your local church or, or in the ministry or the organization or whatever God is putting in your heart. And do not underestimate the power of prayer. God in you, raise a warrior. Wow, that's so good. What a great challenge. Where can people go to... I mean, I'm going to have all the links on christianpodcast.com. That's easy for you know, anyone listening. Just go there and you can find more. But specifically from you, uh, you know, what is the website or social media or places where people can go and we volunteer are, or be a uh, part of it? social media on Facebook. You can find us as Wild for the Nations or Wild for the Nations Español, whatever it is you choose. You can choose between those. Uh, we're present on Instagram as well. And our website is called wildforthenations.com. So you okay. can find us there. Um, and then we, uh, if you allow me, Beth, I just want to invite your audience to be part of our um, gala 2020. It's going to be a virtual experience. And Pastor Max Lucado is going to be a part of our, our uh, speaker. And we're so, so, so excited about this amazing opportunity to have him, him uh, sharing with us his heart about nations and missions. He was a missionary for several years in Brazil. So he has a lot to say about the work uh, on the ground. And through this gala, what we're trying to do is just to make known what we're doing and how you can partner with us. So wildforthenations.com, you can find all the information there, our um, social media and Facebook and in Instagram, find us there. And we'll be more than happy to open conversation with you. And if you're a missionary and you're interested in, in getting connected with us, please email us at info at wildforthenations.com. We would love to meet you and pray with you. Wow, that's so cool. I want to be a part of the gala. Please, please. <laughs> I, want, 
Yeah. Please. And uh, hopefully invite my wife. So if it's going to be online, you know, maybe it's gonna we be can... online. You can make it on pajamas or on gowns. You decide. Yeah. Just like we watch church, right? You Every can Sunday. Do church <laughs> or like the Oscars. Like you do both in the same way. Exactly. And there you go. That's so cool. I'm excited. I'm so happy for you guys and, and you know, being connected to Max Lucado. He's an amazing writer and, you know, just a Christian leader. That's awesome. So props for you guys. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing a little bit of, of who you are, what you do, where God has brought you from and uprooted you out of and then <laughs> planted you. It's so cool. What an amazing story. Inspiring story. I think, you know, just people hearing, you know, there's hope, there's God is always working, God is moving, and God is inviting us to partner with Him and participate. So what an amazing opportunity. Thank you so much again. Hope you have a great rest of your day and blessed rest of 2020. How about that? <laughs> Sounds great. Thank you for the invite. Thanks for listening to this episode of Christian Podcast. If you liked this episode, share it with friends and family. Make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review whatever you can. You can also visit christianpodcast.com to learn more about our show. Hasta la vista. <laughs>